Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 11. Here's Pastor Ryan. And so, Father, we come before you, Lord, grateful that we can at any time of the day. In the morning, Lord, you love us. In the afternoon, in the evening, you love us. You keep us even as we sleep. And so, Lord, we come before you asking you, Lord, just to strengthen us to study your word, Lord. You know I need your strength. I need your help. I can do nothing without you. So, Lord, please strengthen me. Bless your word to your people. Speak to us, Lord. Change us tonight, Lord. Be glorified, Jesus. May it be all of you and none of me. In your name we pray. Amen. So First Chronicles chapter 11, as you know, we stopped right in the middle of it last time we were together, or towards the beginning. But what we have here is the history of King David and when he came to the throne. And First Chronicles is chronicling his, his kingdom, his reign, because it's, as you know, it's through his lineage that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is going to come through his line. So the Bible focuses on Jesus, really the Old Testament. All of it is pointing and shooting to the day that he will be born in Bethlehem. Amen? So that's why King David is, is highlighted. And that is why when Jesus did his ministry, they referred to him as, they cried out to him, Jesus, son of David. And so that's why David is highlighted here. But last week, we read how all of Israel came together to Hebron to ordain him as king. They came and they, they said concerning him, we are your bone and your flesh. And they said, the Lord your God said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over my people Israel. And so Saul had died. He was an unfaithful king. And now the Lord raised up David, a man after his own heart. And what's interesting about his ordination and the time when he becomes king is that the people acknowledged that it was God that did it. That this was of God. They, it wasn't man choosing himself to be king but it was the lord who chose him to be king and that's important because in our lives as christians we've all been called by god if you've accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior you you can be confident in knowing that you have been called by god to live for him to walk with him to know him to serve him to be a part of his family I mean, we have so many blessings in the reality of the calling that he has on our lives. And I think it's important, as we read about King David, not to look to him as if he was really the great one in our story, but it really is God and how God called him and chose him and loved him. And as they would say, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies uh, your footstool. In other words, David even acknowledged by the Spirit that the Messiah would be born from him. So the great one is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would be born. But we look at David's life and just see the grace of God upon him that he called him. And that God has called you. And if we're confident in that, then we experience really the 
abundant life that God has called us to live. Moms and dads, we were called to be moms and dads. Husbands and wives, we were called to be married. Single people, you were called to that singleness for a time being. Wherever you're at, if you love the Lord, he has called you. And I believe that he has great plans for our lives as we submit to him. But submission to him is key as we're studying King David. It really is all about King Jesus. And is he king of, of your life? But I liked what they said. They acknowledged to him, we're your people. We are your bone and we are your flesh. And they acknowledged the words that God had prophesied concerning him, that he would shepherd his people Israel. And they accepted that. They accepted both the reality that God called them and they, re, they accepted him as king. And that's a beautiful thing on the people's part as well, that they acknowledge God's anointed. Amen? And it's a beautiful thing for like wives to understand that their husbands are the head of their home. And together, that Christ is the head of their home. If indeed, they're both believers. I'm not, you know, there's craziness in people's houses, but generally that's how it works. All of us are called, our, our, even our children should respect the calling God has on our lives for sure that we're their parents, that, they are, that our yes is to be yes and our no is to be no, that our kids honor that. Why? Because God called us to be parents. God called us to be wherever we're at. But I like that they acknowledged him. And then in verses four through nine, it tells us that David and his men and Joab, they went and they established the capital of Jerusalem there. Um, in Jerusalem, they threw out the Jebusites and they built the city of David, which would be their capital. And so really at the beginning of his reign, the people, you know, were taking steps of faith to take back land that God had given them. And so faith is a huge part of the story of King David. And, and really, it is, which it should be part of our story as well, right? If you were to write your story, it should, I hope that they would say concerning us that our story is one of great faith, one of taking ground from the enemy. And so that's what we see as we study here. And then in verse 9, it says... So David went on and became great, and the Lord of hosts was with him. And again, that's a beautiful statement. He went on and became great, and the Lord of hosts was with him. And we know that David became great because the priority of his life was faith in the living God. That's what made him great. What made him great was that he had a relationship with God, that he put God as a priority in his, in his reign, and when we think about greatness today, greatness in the world, what does the world consider great today? What does the world consider great? It's different than what God considers great, is it not? People today are seeking greatness in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of man. They want all their worldly desires to come true, whether it's money or possessions or power or pleasures or simply living for their own lives without regard to God. I mean, it's relevant. Like you ask the world, what makes one great in this world? Many will say it's giving to the poor, being charitable, uh, inventing things that help people. I mean, you'll get a plethora of what they consider great. The Bible boils it down to, to a few things that the world is interested in. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, 
It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The world is seeking its own will, basically, whatever that may be. They are seeking whatever they feel is great. But greatness in God's eyes is having faith in God and putting God as a priority in our lives. And it's a very slippery slope when we think of, of greatness in regards to scripture or, or the church. Because some Christians believe that greatness is, is God making them great and awesome and beautiful and prosperity type where he just gives you anything that you want where God's like a like a Santa Claus type figure but that that's not at all what the Bible considers greatness what what God considers greatness is faith in God faith in him and that's what David had and that's what made him great turn with me to Matthew 18 and let's look at what Jesus says is great verse 1 at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven and then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as, a little ch as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so that is Jesus' definition of greatness. It's to receive him, believe in him. And to be converted, which means to change, right? Which means to repent. And God is calling this world to do that very thing. Through my life, through your life, as we preach the gospel, that this world is dead in its trespasses. Sin is the issue. Jesus came and died on the cross to remove those sins. And on the third day, he rose from the grave to conquer sin, to conquer death, to justify sinful man and to give him access to heaven. Greatness in God's eyes is to be converted, to agree with what Jesus says and give our lives to him. And that's a beautiful thing. And that, that is, a, it's, it's, it's clear, it's simple. And that is, that is what makes one great. Not, not conquering armies and yeah, the Israelites did all those things, you know. But what's greater? Is it miracles, performing miracles, healing people? What did Jesus say? Rejoice that your names are written in my book of life. His disciples went out and they did great works. And he said that we would do greater works even than him because he goes to the Father. But the, the works don't make us great. What makes us great is that we have a relationship with the Lord, that we have been converted like little children who believe in him, who aren't so self-smart that we overthink it and not accept it like so many people. They're too sophisticated for the simplicity of the gospel. But what makes a person great is faith in Christ. And as we remember that, man, that's that's... There's great reward in that, guys, to just believe in him. And so what made King David great was that he, he loved God. For all his faults, he loved the Lord. In Psalm 112, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So the blessing and the greatness is... It's available to anybody who will be converted. Not everybody wants to change. And that's the problem with the world. 
Men love themselves. They don't love God. They love themselves. And so that keeps them from really being great in God's eyes. Coming to the Lord makes one great. Obeying the Lord makes one great. Verse 10, it says, Now these were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom, with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And so behind every great man is a great team of guys. And we read here about David's mighty men. And it, it's, it's a joy to, to think of these guys and how God brought armies of men to help David at just the right time. His kingdom needed establishing in all aspects, from logistics, from the buildings, from the armies, from the infrastructure, all of it. David needed help. He couldn't do it on his own, obviously. And so the Lord brought these men, whom we know as David's mighty men. But we also know from scripture that just because they're referred to as mighty, doesn't mean that they were perfect and doesn't mean that they were the lot of society. They were ordinary men. In fact, 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, it says, And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, so he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. It's beautiful that there were men who were discontented, men who were of debt, men who were in distress. Isn't that cool? That, that gives us all hope that God uses ordinary people. That he does indeed just choose ordinary people to do amazing things of faith for him. So no matter what our background is, no matter where you come from, what knock in life you may have had, what little resources, what little family, whatever you feel is a lack. With God, God loves you and I and he can use you and I if we submit to his will he can use us to do great feats of faith and then when people see the work he gets all the glory because we were distressed discontented in debt people and yet God used us to do great works and so I love that about our Lord that he just chooses ordinary people there's hope for there's hope for all of us but the interesting thing is that it was at the right time that he sent them to David Right? He didn't send, the, the whole country didn't get behind him right away. All the troops didn't come and fight for him right away. It was little by little. Amen? God's timing in, in him bringing people into our lives to help us is perfect. And just like in our story, how God is bringing these men to David to help him. I mean, we can all say the same about our lives. For those of us who have walked with the Lord. How God has sent people in our lives at just the right time to help encourage us, to help strengthen us, to fight alongside us, to fight for us, to be there. I am amazed at the love of God through the people that he has sent in my life. It's like that confirming love. Like, show me a sign that you're with me. And some of that sign that he sends is people. People to help us in our walk. And at just the right time. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, God says, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. God promises to give us shepherds to teach us, pastors and such, or just people to help us, Christians. And isn't that true? Hasn't that happened for you? 
When I first came to the Lord, I, I, I needed so much. Usually baby Christians do. There's a coddling period. There's a period where you kind of spiritually, you have to be there for new believers because they're new and they don't necessarily know how to walk in the Lord. It's all new. And so God sent my spiritual mom, Sue. He sent Pastor Jerry eventually. Eventually, he gave me a wife who would help me. I mean, I look at, at my life and I think, my goodness, God sent people in my life at just the right time to help me. Has he not done the same for you? In Psalm 68, verse 6, it says that he places the solitary, those in solitary, in families. And he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Everywhere I go and the various churches I went to, there was always God sending people to help me at just the right time. And now at our church, I mean, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, talks all about the body of Christ and how God equips us for the work of the ministry and how all of us have a part to play in the body of Christ. You do, I do, we all do. We are all equal parts. And Paul would say that, that God himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. God has brought people in just the right time. And look at us here now. God has blessed us with so many people along the way to do things that I could never do. I'm so grateful to God for it. People that have come with, with wisdom, with knowledge, with skills, whether it's for physical things of the church, to counseling, to just being there, the love. And I think we've, got, we've come this far because of, of all of you and because everyone that God has sent for such a time as this to be here at Sweet Hills. And with that, soldiers come and go. You know, we have a lovely couple that's going to be leaving us pretty soon and it's, we don't even want to think about it. We're like devastated over it. The body of Christ. God calls us to love and to love is risky. And sometimes we have to say goodbye to those that were with us. Some with us for a short time, some for a long time. You know, whatever the will of God is, but it's, it's special. It's special. And it hurts. It hurts when people leave because they move. It hurts when people leave because of bad things. It hurts all the way around because loving people hurts. And we get a sense of learning what the love of God is like. And we cannot learn what the love of God is like unless we take a risk in loving people. You know, Pastor Chuck said thousands of people have, have hurt him, have backstabbed him. Thousands. But he would never stop trusting and loving people, in, even though that, has take, that took place in his life. And that's, that's an amazing example. But that's the ministry. Oh, I thought it was just giving a Bible study. No, it's not. It's a, it's a lot more. 
It's family. Oh, armies. The love of God. David needed these guys. But I also think that those mighty men needed him as well. They followed him because he was God's anointed. They followed him because they knew that the Lord was with him. That's important in, in the story as well. They followed him because they knew God was with them. And we see here that they fought like crazy. Let's see. Oh, it says here that these, uh, these were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom. And that's a cool statement there, that they strengthened themselves with him in the kingdom. It's like strength wasn't just going to happen. They strengthened themselves. Doesn't Paul tell us in Ephesians 6 as well, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? He doesn't say just lay there and you're going to be strong. He says, be strong in the Lord. Get into the Lord. Get close to the Lord. These men around David were men who strengthened themselves in the Lord with him in the Lord. Making unity happen. Unity doesn't just happen. We have to work on it. That's why the Bible says endeavoring to keep the unity of the saints. We have to be on the same page. The Bible says be like-minded with one another. The body of Christ is huge. There's a ton of churches and a ton of Christians, but not everybody's like-minded. And that's cool. Amen? Not everybody likes vanilla or chocolate. I mean, there's various, you know, flavors of churches. But wherever God takes us, wherever we're at, we should seek to endeavor to keep the unity. We should seek to learn to be of one mind. They strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom, with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had. Jeshoabim, the son of Hakmonite, chief of the captains, he had lifted up his spear against 300, killed by him at one time. So here's this guy, Jeshobim, killed 300 men at one time with the spear. Man of faith, right? Like, who stands up to 300 men? This guy does. I think this guy knew he had a big God. Would you agree? Faith. We need more faith. We need more faith that we might see the glory of God work in our lives and in our church. We need faith. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. The more Bible you read, the more you pray through the word, the more faith you're going to have. We need faith. To not run from 300, but to stand. Verse 12, after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Eholhite, who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Pasdamim. Now there the Philistines were gathered for battle, and there was a piece of ground full of barley, so the people fled from the Philistines, but they stationed themselves in the middle of that field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. So it was few against many Philistines, not giving up that patch of barley that was there to the Philistines. While everyone else ran, they stood by faith there, and God gave them the great victory. Walking by faith is not walking by sight. Can you imagine them there during that battle? It's just us. Everyone has left. But this ground is, is ours. God gave it to us. And we can't give it up. We won't give it up because our God is greater 
than these Philistines. And they stood. And it said, God gave them a great victory. How are we going to see victories if we don't stand? How are we going to see victories if we give up? It's all about resisting the devil. It's all about standing our ground. Now, three of the 30 chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. And the army of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So there he is at war at the stronghold near the area where he was brought up near his old hometown and he wants some of that water from the well that he drank from when he was a child no doubt thank you for joining us today at lasting truth radio if you're in the area come out and join us for sunday services at 10 a.m or wednesday evenings at 7 p.m we are located at 3035 west nicolette street in banning you can also find us on youtube or instagram If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim above